Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bacor. This is episode 21, recorded on March 26, 2021. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. If you don't know already, my name is Kenneth Bocor, the host of the shows. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to listen to my audio podcasts, which I do to augment the YouTube series. So thanks, everybody, for that. Now, as I keep saying on these podcasts, you don't want to listen to me for half an hour or an hour because you do that on my other shows. So I try to find smart people. And um, I'm very, very pleased to have somebody who's extremely smart and has a very innovative product that has a direct correlation to the EV industry. So I'd love to introduce to you folks, Mr. Joe Harari. He's the CEO of Research Frontiers. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing, Ken? Pleasure to be on the show today. Thank you. I'm great. And thank you very much for joining me virtually here over WebEx meetings that we're talking on. We seem to have a good connection. So the sound for the folks will be good. Um, Thanks very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know that those three letters before, uh, you know, in your title means that you've got a very hectic schedule. So I do appreciate you taking some time to talk to little old me about what you guys do, which is pretty cool. (laughs) The most important three letters are SPD or suspended particle device, which is the name of our smart glass. There you so, go. <laughs> That's a great segue. I like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so folks are going to say, well, you know, they're going to look up Research Frontiers and they're going to say, what the heck, Ken, why are you talking to these guys? Well, you know, it's 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 a technology that has been around for a bit, but, you know, the applications and the use cases, which we're going to talk about, Joe, and I'll let you explain, have some direct bearing on the EV industry. You know, I, I know that when we initially spoke a couple of weeks ago to kind of prime up for this show, you know, I was asking what are some of the benefits and what what are what are some of the reasons that this would be important in the EV industry. And we certainly discussed those and we will today, but I wanted to start with with your viewpoints that you 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 uh, explained to me, which I thought were really compelling on some of the challenges of EV growth that you and I spoke about. Do you want to talk about some of those? Do you want me to lead sure. you through that or do you remember what they were? Yeah, no, I, I I think about the EV market a lot. Yeah. First of all, I am thrilled that the planet is getting healed by electric vehicles becoming much more prevalent. Um, if you think back just four or five years ago, I think all of us would have thought it to be science fiction that we'd have electric vehicles. And, um, you know, thanks to a number of factors that have gone on, uh, first of all, the determination of the EV companies to bring out wonderful cars, um, you know, I think is 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 first and foremost. But also, there's been a lot more sensitivity to climate change. There has been um, a growing awareness of the importance of reducing CO2 emissions to the point where in Europe, can they they have penalties of 95 euros per gram per kilometer that you don't meet the European CO2 targets. And 
the car industry was planning on satisfying those targets with diesel engines. But of course, with emissions testing scandals and things like that, the diesel fell by the wayside. So that added a lot more, um, I won't say fuel because that's a bad word to use with electric vehicles, but a lot more acceleration to the EV market. And now you see virtually every major automaker in the world, mainstream or specialty, uh, talking about going all electric. So we really have this you know, rapid adoption and production of EVs, which I'm thrilled about. And, and the issue has been really twofold. Number one, is there enough material out there in order to power the world's need for EVs? And that's a, an issue. I mean, I remember as a kid hearing that we were going to run out of oil in 1979 or 1980, mm-hmm. and we're well beyond that, and uh, we still have oil. Uh, so efficiencies and things like that are a natural um, re, you know, reaction to these types of things happening. And I think you're seeing the same thing in the EV industry. You're seeing a lot of research, a lot of development, a lot of production mm-hmm. in the basic battery materials, but they have limits. The limits are electrochemical limits and physics, and batteries can only do so much right now based on the current you know, structure of of these batteries and the infrastructure in place to do it. So there's a second part of the equation, and this is where our company, Research Frontiers, comes in. We have developed a glass technology that allows you to switch the tint of glass from very dark to very clear or anything in between. Now, you may say, how does that apply to electric vehicles? Why is that important? Well, Where we come in is really the conservation aspect of this. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could conserve the battery power in an electric vehicle and have more of it go towards driving the vehicle and less towards cooling it, then you have something that can, you know, be a meaningful benefit to the EV industry. And we kind of, we started in the automotive industry with a different goal in mind. It wasn't us, but our launch partner, Mercedes, was looking for a couple extra inches of headroom in some of the smaller um, um, convertibles. So they started with the SLK Roadster, which went into serial production in 2011 with our technology. And they were looking for two inches of headroom because you don't want to raise the roof and compromise the stability of the car. So what they did is they put our glass in there so they could eliminate the pull across shade that goes across many sunroofs. So that added a couple of inches of headroom to the car without having to raise the roof. Right. I would also add, I would also add Joe that, you know, that two inches is valid. I mean, when you talk about moon roofs and stuff, I remember the old days where we had pop-up sunroofs, so there wasn't really any headroom loss um, with that, but with moon roofs and power, power sunroofs, you know, there was all that mechanism takes a couple of inches off. So you, you tend to get lower liners. Mm -hmm. Right. So so they, they started with putting this in to eliminate the, the pull across shade, but they realized that it was reducing the temperature inside the car, even in something as small as a small half a square meter sunroof on the SLK by 18 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. So I grew up in Florida. In Florida, you would park your car for two hours and you couldn't sit in the seat anymore because <laughs> the car would get so unbearably hot. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've tried various shading techniques too to to keep the heat out of your car Mm -hmm. but this 18 degrees is very significant because instead of getting in your car and it being 90 it's 72 degrees and you haven't used the air conditioner 
So now wow. that translates into making your AC compressors 40% smaller. So now you're not schlepping around all this weight in the car. You've increased the headroom of the car. You've re, you know made the, the car more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But also you've made this car usable in a 12 months out of the year because you know I used to drive a convertible where I was really happy in the summertime, but really miserable in December. And you couldn't get the sun in, you couldn't open the roof. Mm -hmm. um, however, with our glass, you could just flip a switch and get that open air feeling even in December, even if it's snowing out. So all of these benefits happened, but this was still an internal combustion engine world that mm -hmm. this was happening in. Um, so we, we recognized that in an internal combustion engine, it could reduce the CO2 emissions by four grams per kilometer. So if you go back to the European standards where you're penalized 95 euros per gram per kilometer, that's about over $400 a car that you're saving in penalties wow. by putting this glass in there. Mm -hmm. um, and it increases the driving range of a car by you know, having less of the engine going towards um, um, cooling the car. But when we got to electric vehicles, Independent calculations from Continental Automotive and other companies indicated that we could increase the driving range of an electric vehicle by five and a half percent. That's fairly significant when you consider the compromises that the auto industry has made to get a couple extra miles of range in a car. So yep. we're now adding a substantial amount to the range, plus adding these cool features that make you more comfortable and things like that. So that's the evolution in the automotive industry from, you know, a desire for a couple extra inches of headroom to, you know, now driving electric vehicles much further on the same charge. So yeah. that's where we're focusing on the conservation of the energy as opposed to uh, increasing the battery capacity. Yeah. And that's a great, um, it's a great accompaniment to an electric vehicle because it was like you know a lot of the auto manufacturers focus on saving weight because they knew that it takes more electrons to move that weight so any shavings you can get and if you know to gain efficiency so as you said joe if you can have a smaller ac compressor there's some weight savings there and it doesn't need to run as much to keep things cool or even when you turn it on it'll it'll be again it won't need to run as long to cool off an existing environment so, right. so you're using less energy in that that battery, and then hey, you know, five and a half percent is pretty significant on a 300 mile vehicle. You know, that's right. uh, 15 or so miles, uh, 20, you know, 20 plus kilometers, 23 kilometers, or whatever it is. That's that's a that, you know, that could be a daily use case for some people, or that's you know, right. or make or break. So, just by by implementing something like that, never mind the movement towards all glass roofs now, as we're seeing with a lot of OEMs, exactly, uh, you know, I, I was just in a Mustang Mach-E last weekend and beautiful panoramic roof. Again, one piece it doesn't open or close, but you know, just that airy feeling. So um, that seems to be the movement for, for uh, vehicles in the future that will have this more openness. So uh, I really like that, that idea that you can just by simply incorporating the SPD functionality of your class um, can gain, you know, you can gain range, you can gain efficiencies just by that. A lot of people wouldn't have thought. And I think you also mentioned to me last time, Joe, about, you know, uh, even aerodynamics. So because you can do things, lower roof lines and make them, keep them still structurally strong by, uh, by the glass, you can get some aerodynamic savings. That's right. That's right. And also <clears throat> one other aspect about, yeah, one other aspect about weight 
using a switchable glass like SPD Smart Glass allows you to create these panoramic roofs that don't have to open. Mm-hmm. If they don't have to open, one major automaker estimated that they save 13 pounds of weight in the roof and eliminate 54 components from the assembly. So wow. don't have to assemble as mm-hmm. much, which increases the profitability of the car. You're reducing the weight at the roof, which not only is good from a lightweighting standpoint, but also from a stability standpoint, because mm-hmm. you're actually lowering the center of gravity of a car by reducing the weight in the roof. So you have all these other you know, benefits that are coming in there, which is why you know, Cadillac decided when they wanted the best for their all-electric flagship, mm-hmm. you know, they put an SPD roof in it. That's right. And, you know, we know that EVs inherently, because of their skateboard design, have good low center of gravities to begin with. But just this, this just adds to that factor even more from stability and handling. And you're absolutely right. I think Cadillac um, with the Celeste, uh, Celeste? No, I'm not pronouncing that. Celestique. Celestique. There we go. I had to read my writing. They've uh, announced that they're going to use your glass in, in that flagship model. And that's exciting. I know it's been it's been in some other vehicles as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting from an EV perspective just to consider that this little change, how much of a, how much of a positive impact it has right. on, on an EV owner and ownership. Now, I want to talk about some of the fun stuff because I did watch some of the, the videos and, and looked at some of the stuff that you guys have. Uh, on the website. And um, we talked a little bit before pressing the recording button that I'm a big, I've always tinted my vehicles. Always. It goes back probably 25, 30 years. I've always had some tinting done to them. And um, I, I try to keep it within the legal limits. Once I went to 5% and the first evening I was out driving, I couldn't see anything. So I went back to the installer <laughs> the next day and said, you got to rip this off and give me 30% because I can't see anything at night. So, you know, I learned the hard way uh, that, but you know, in some places people want to want to darken it up and I get it. Um, so, you know, this is a way, and, and, and especially the, the video that you have, um, that continental, one of your partners put out, um, of all the features, I'm going to talk about some of these features and I want to get a little bit into it, but so folks think about this, you can control the amount of tint on every single piece of glass in your vehicle. So the roof, the front windshield to a, a sections of the front windshield, the rear glass, all the windows on the side. You can either individually control the tent or, you know, or all in one shot. There's different ways to do it. Um, I think Cadillac's talking about patterning the roof, you know, doing some funky patterns of that. Four segments. Mm -hmm. Each each, uh, occupant of the vehicle could control what's happening above their head. Exactly, exactly. And just just before I continue on that, when we talked about SBD, just not, not to be too scientific about it, Joe, but... It really is using electricity, uh, putting a current through the glass that has some chemicals in it to do that shading. Is that correct? Yeah. So basically, it's a very simple mechanism. It was very hard to make it simple, but you mm-hmm. know, we invested $100 million to do this. But basically, there's these nanoparticles inside a film. And when you apply an electric field, so it's the voltage, not the current, uh, the particles will line up and allow light to pass through. And then as soon as you remove the current or the electric field, the particles will return to a natural random position in the black light. Um, simply put, though, you can turn a knob, something as simple as a dimmer switch, and you can orient the particles fully or partially, which means you could tint the glass from 
very dark, blocking 99.5% of the light on a typical film, mm-hmm. to as clear as a windshield typically, or anything in between by simply turning a knob, or as you saw from the Continental video, they hooked it up to a photo cell, so when the car turns into the sun, it darkens. Mm-hmm. They patterned it on the above the AS line so that you can actually, if the sun is high on the horizon, you could detect that it's high on the horizon and only tent maybe the top third of the windshield or the top third of the sun visor uh, to block just where the sun is. And, um, you know, the car drives into a tunnel, all the glass clears up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the driver gets out of the tunnel, it instantly will um, darken again so that you don't get glare, you know, blinding you when you come out right. of something like a tunnel back to the set. So there's a lot of cool things. Yeah. Yeah. I found that that fascinating. I saw that stuff, you know, and, and I mean, you mentioned the, the AS line and for folks listening. So that that's the front windshield, the top piece of that. Um, and we, you see a lot of cars and, and I've been doing that for years. I've been getting the tinter. So when they tint my car, the, the, the windshields or the, the side windows and the rear windshield in Canada, we're not allowed to tint the front windshield. I know in some states you can, in the US, yeah. but in Canada, you can't, it's a, it's against the law, but what you can do is put a strip on the front windshield. So if it doesn't impede your visibility, you can do that. And, you know, in the old days I used to, I put a strip that said Ford or you know, Mustang or whatever on it, you know, whatever vehicle I had to make it look cool. But now I do it for practicality just to, because there are some times where that sun is at a point where it's kind of just annoying, you know, just encroaching at the top of the windshield or slightly coming in in the morning or evening. And I do that dark strip. Um, or, or a strip that's similar to what I tint at. So having that ability to be able to customize it, I thought was really awesome. And then, as you mentioned, going through a tunnel where dark, where it uh, becomes light, and then as soon as you get out, it goes back to your setting. I also fa- found cool that when you put it in reverse, the rear windshield will lighten up automatically. And I said, right. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> very, very intelligent use of yeah, controls yeah. in our smart glass. So, you know, the use cases for people, I mean, I could see those guys that, uh, that you know, want to, to boot around and look cool and, you know, the, the drop, the, lower the car and all this kind of stuff and want to have the 5% uh, illegal tint in some places. Yeah. Hey, you could do it. And, you know, as soon as you uh, see somebody in red, white, and in blue or whatever the colors of, of the uh, of the uh, enforcement are, you can lighten it up if you want. You know, I mean, uh, I would always drive in safe conditions, but, hey, I've seen it now with people well we we actually saw something very interesting happen in the russian market all of a Mm -hmm. sudden we saw a big spike in the use of our smart glass and we were trying to figure out why all of a sudden is this becoming very popular in russia (laughs) and then we saw on youtube that the police there were stopping conventionally tinted cars at traffic lights and literally making people either take a 500 hundred dollar ticket or peel off on the spot the window tint film that they had put on at your local tint shop. And, you know, you see these housewives pulling their tint off and things like that. So <laughs> they changed it to our glass. And I imagine that what's happening is before they get to one of these traffic stops, they just flip the tint in the clear state. Right. And of course you have to understand why there's tint laws. Um, you know, first of all, there's the visibility. If, mm-hmm. if you were allowed to, you would tint your car as much as possible. And as you saw from personal experience, is too dark to see at night. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, until you could clear the tint up, 5% is not too dark in the daytime, but at night it's too dark. Yes. Uh, Until you could vary that tint, you're stuck with either driving during the day or having less of a a tint. But the other reason you have uh, tint laws is for law enforcement. 
Of course. They don't want someone hiding behind a, a piece of glass with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Imagine if I gave police officers an override button so that when they pull over somebody mm-hmm. for a traffic stop, if they saw the window was tinted, they could press a button and clear up the tent. And then they could see safely exactly what the situation is inside the vehicle. So to all law enforcement, God bless you for what you're doing. And yes. we will yes. we'll give you that magic button if you want it. And I'm I'm all for that, but I know that I'll probably get some comments from people that are saying it's anti-democratic or it's anti-civil rights or whatever to give law enforcement that power. But we're not going to debate that because that's a a rat hole we'll go down. But I totally agree with you. You know, as uh, somebody who served in the armed forces before, as I did when I was young and crazy and uh, wanted to serve my country, you know, I, I understand that aspect of 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 what you described. It certainly is true. One other cool thing about your glass that I saw was that you can, you can make those controls to, uh, to some of the voice applications that are available today, like Alexa and and others. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. So almost any way that you can think of to tell an electrical input to go to our film, you could control our glass. So to give you an example of my office, um, you may think I'm crazy because sometimes I'm talking to my windows, but I'm really talking to Alexa <laughs> and saying, clear up my SPD window. And all of a sudden the glass would go clear. I have other office uh, windows in my office where they're hooked up to a motion detector. Mm. So I walk over to the window and it almost reads my mind that I want to look out the window and it'll clear up the tint. But when I walk away, it puts the tint back because the motion detector detects I'm not near it anymore. And now I'm saving the maximal amount of energy. Yes. I also have my cell phone that can control my windows. Sometimes I do that when I'm traveling to freak out my receptionist because the <laughs> windows start blinking. Um, you can do almost anything you want with this, which is kind of fun. And, um, and having these unique control systems uh, really helps a lot, you know, because it allows you to do so much. Yeah, I mean, you can, as I mentioned earlier, you can individually customize depending on how the car is laid out, the vehicle is laid out to your to your delight and and, you know as as we talked about with cadillac having the above panels in different sections so if somebody's in the back seat one of your children and they want to watch a movie or something you can tint it for them doesn't doesn't impede your your ability to drive the vehicle safely but gives them a better you know uh, video viewing enjoyment right right and you know one of the things also is as we move uh to an autonomous or more autonomous Mm -hmm. world you know, we know what it's like to be in an autonomous vehicle, whether we realize it or not. We've been in planes, we've been in trains where we're not driving. So what are you doing? You're looking out the window or you're watching a movie or checking your email or you're working on your laptop. All of those scenarios require different lighting settings for your window. If I'm looking out the window, I want it to be clear. If I'm looking at my screen, I may want that window to be dark. And depending on what time of day it is and also where the train or the plane is Mm -hmm. heading, you know, you'll open or close your window shade. Well, now you could tune the amount of light to anything from clear to dark or anything in between and get it exactly right. And as we move into a world where people are bringing their own devices for, let's say, navigation, so they're mm-hmm. using Waze or Google Maps, it's very hard for the car designers to design an interior of a car where you could see what's on those screens because the screen is everywhere. It's wherever you happen to put yourself. Wherever you mount it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So now you could have the glass actually make that eminently more readable. Mm, Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to just, you know, relegate your nav system to, you know, an enclosed hood, you know, on your dashboard or something like that. Right. Still got a couple of those GPSs. 
Still got a couple lying around. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> right. right. But, you know, so, so people are, you know, so people are, are given a lot more design freedom. And then mm-hmm. when you combine it with electric vehicles where you do have the skateboard drivetrain, you can make these vehicles really, really elegant because you don't have that transmission hump going across the front of the back with the differential and all that. Absolutely correct. And one other thing that I thought was cool was, you know, again, the autumn, um, the auto uh, automation of some of the features of this. So, you know, you walk up to your car and it automatically lightens. Uh, it darkens right. when you walk away, depending on how you have it set. So you can keep it cool while you're not in it, adds additional security, right? When it's darker, you know, people, exactly. usually cars get broken into because people see something, right? It, it, you know, it's a smash and grab and they got it, whatever the fastest is an easy, easiest route. So, you know, if, if, if it's dark, they're going to go to the next one, right? Because it's just more right. of a challenge. So I thought those things were just awesomely cool, being able to automate that and then adding voice recognition. It doesn't have to be Alexa. It could be Siri. If, if you're connected, it could be in Tesla where you press the button you, and you speak. They have a really good voice recognition system that you can control some, some auto features. But Why not incorporate the glass? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the idea is, you know, to quote Jim Morrison from the doors, keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. That's it. These things, including the sunroof controls and the glass controls, you know, really allows you to be a lot safer in a vehicle. Yeah. And I want to remind folks that, you know, this technology, I mean, you guys have been around since 1986. So a lot of this technology is not brand new. You know, we're seeing it now in more automotive cases, as you mentioned, going back a decade or so, but it's been around uh, in a lot of different UK use cases, your technology is broad based. So, you know, you, you mentioned tinting office windows. I mean, you know, think of people, you want to make it opaque, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you can do that. Uh, or, or again, saving, you know, the TCO on a large office building, being able to, to, you know, IOT that and to be able to turn on and off the tint or different degrades, uh, different degrees of it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about a building and how you design a building, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the benefits that we don't think about are very prevalent when you can change the tint of the glass. So, for mm-hmm. example, probably the best explanation was one of the world's foremost glass experts was giving a um, hosting a, a moderating a panel on smart glass technology. And he said, you know, when it's cold, you take you put on your jacket and when it's warm, you take it off. Why can't your building skin do the same thing? Mm-hmm. And then what does that mean? And he went into this great explanation. He said, you know, most people focus on just the energy being lost through the window. But that's only about 18 to 20% of a building's energy footprint is energy lost through the window. Now, I'm not denigrating this because we have the best solar heat gain coefficient on the planet with our mm-hmm. glass. It's really very energy efficient for the window itself. But now, when you could change the tint, about 25 to 30% of a building's energy signature, the footprint is coming from illumination. Mm-hmm. So in South Florida, some architect friends of mine say they put a very heavy tint, window tint on the glass because they want to reduce the air conditioning. He says, but we always get it wrong. We always put too dark of a tint, and we have to put a lot of lighting inside the building. And then there's a lot of power to power the lighting. Mm-hmm. So... If you can have the building skin get lighter when you want to bring in daylighting, you can save a considerable amount of energy, and that's about 25 to 30% of an energy footprint of a building. And then think about a typical building in New York or in Canada where July and August, it's pretty hot. 
So I think of a building yep. in Toronto or, or Manhattan. It's pretty hot in July and August. But for 10 months out of the year, your mechanical rooms are oversized and they're running at about 30% efficiency. Mm -hmm. So if you could right size your mechanical rooms, you know, first of all, you'll have more rentable space. So at landlords mm -hmm. like that, more revenue. But also you're going to have um, the equipment running at optimal efficiency and the occupants of the building much more comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it is a really domino effect. There's so many systems that are impacted and, and ways to measure, you know, different components and different um, advantages that you get, you know, from energy savings, from safety, all these different elements. Right. You, you know, people people don't really think about that. It's pretty cool. And, and again, automotive applications, uh, you know, it's something that you guys are, are, have been doing for some time, but it seems to be picking up steam now, especially because we've got more smart cars, more cars that have a lot more intelligence to them that are usually connected nowadays. Yes, so there's right. applications there. Uh, you mentioned autonomous vehicles, which eventually are going to be the rage. I, I have, I don't think Johnny Cab is going to be around anytime soon, but if you know the reference to, that I'm, I'm yes, I there, do. That's why yeah, I'm a lot of like people, that. I say that, they go, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> watch the movie um i'm waiting for it my wife wants it but i'm not i'm not so sure i'm skeptical there but you know Actually, in that movie though you saw something that might have been very uh, it's enabled by our yes. technology so there is a scene where arnold schwarzenegger is watching tv mm -hmm. through his window that's right we're talking about total recall by the way the original yes, one. We are. We are. you didn't get it yeah <laughs> uh, the original one right so he's watching tv through his window and uh, then all of a sudden he turns off the TV and it becomes a clear window. Yes, that's right. Well, Panasonic is doing that right now with our technology. They're taking OLED technology to generate an image. But, you know, if, if you think about the optics of putting an OLED TV on a transparent piece of glass that has bright sunlight behind it, mm -hmm. you're not going to get a very good image. But if you put an SPD film behind it, wow. when you want it to be a TV, you darken the film, you get a very high you know, contrast, yeah, vibrant yeah. image. And when you want it to be clear, you clear up the film and now you have a clear window that you can see through. So, you know, you just made me think of that from that reference in the movie, but that's not science fiction. That's actually out now. So wow, very cool, cool stuff is happening. And, you know, for me, you know, as the CEO of Research Frontiers, it's a lot of fun. I mean, to see the future uh, has always been something that I've been interested in. Mm -hmm. To help create a small part of it has really been so satisfying for me, really. That's awesome. I want one of those TV and a glass yeah. things. Now you've got me hooked. <laughs> I can okay. definitely see it because, you know, it's where, where do we mount the wall bracket to hang the, you know, the flat screen now? Now you don't have to worry about it. Just boom. There you don't it have is. to worry. It's, it's, it's your window. It's part of your space. I love it. That's great. Well, listen, uh, one last question, Joe, before we wrap up. How do you see, uh, do you see uh, OEMs, auto, uh, automobile OEMs, looking to adopt this as a standard feature at some point in time? Do you see this as becoming just like a third brake light or whatever that's just going to be there? I do. You know, if you think about any technology that is really, you know, entered with strength into the automotive industry, it always started out as a high-priced enabling technology. And we did back in the you know, days of the SLK, it was a high-priced item. But, you mm -hmm. know, Mercedes put anti-lock brakes in the car, and I think it was 5 or 10% of the car's price. Now yeah. you see anti-lock brakes in everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, over time, the technology has gotten less and less expensive. So in between the SLK and the S-Class Coupe, 
when we went from the convertibles to the flagship within Mercedes, the price went down by about a half. Wow. And since then, it's gone down even more. So mm-hmm. we're now starting to see this being specced into mid-level cars. And if you think about the benefit now, you're saving 54 components, right? You're saving um, all this energy that you can now use to increase the driving range. You're increasing the headroom. You're making passengers comfortable. You're making the car safer. You're reducing CO2 emissions, okay? Um, you're not having to have such a complex system in the roof that you have cost of ownership issues. Uh, you know, you're avoiding the costs and getting the benefits all with simply a piece of glass. I mean, who thought that glass could be so smart? And that's why we name our glass Smart Glass. And if you go to smartglass.com, you could see some of the videos that you were talking about. They're pretty cool and they're all real. I mean, what you think is computer generated is uh, is out there in the real world and, and happening every day. It absolutely is. And I'm glad that you recapped all the benefits of this because this is an important component. And one thing I want to add is the uptake for OEMs to actually implement this. Uh, you and I talked about it before. It's not something that's disruptive to the way that they do their business today or to their supply chain. They don't have to go and change you know, glass manuf- suppliers, uh, which they have contracts in place for years and, and they're, right. they're well versed in you know, the models and the shapes and everything that this OEM is, is buying the glass from. So somebody like a Tesla, as an example, or, or whoever, uh, Rivian, uh, whoever, Lucid, these guys, this is something that can be added to their existing uh, comp- glass pieces today and, and in, you know, and uh, implemented, installed into their vehicles as they go out. Right. We have about two thirds of the world's auto glass production license to use our SPD technology. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly for that reason, Ken, that we wanted to allow the automakers to use whoever they wanted, whoever they were comfortable with. They don't have to reinvent the way they do things. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to implement. And as Mercedes showed over tens of thousands of car without one reported problem over more than a decade of use in wow. the most demanding part of a car, which is a sunroof where it's horizontally oriented in a solar collector. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not bleeding edge technology. We're cutting edge technology. And I, I like the fact that we had that opportunity to prove ourselves, you know, with such a fine launch customer and they tested the hell out of this. And I'm so glad they did because they paved the way for the entire auto industry to use it. Absolutely. Well, there's our closing music, which means that we're at the time. Uh, but yeah, cutting edge technology. If you folks want it in your vehicles, write to the OEMs, write to them. They do listen, by the way. Um, you know, emails work, but so do letters. Write to them and say you want this kind of technology in future vehicles because it is going to happen. I think it's great. I would, I would love to see this out there in more vehicles. And I'm sure from an EV revolution perspective, we're going to see a lot more use of this. Joe Harari, CEO Research Frontiers. They are a company, uh, they're a public company on NASDAQ. By the way, folks, you want to check them out. REFR is the symbol, the ticker www.smartglass.com is how to find them and watch the videos. A lot of, a lot of stuff on YouTube to see, which is pretty cool. Any closing thoughts, Joe? Well, I'm just glad that we're part of a way to make the planet greener and heal it and also make people comfortable and safer. There hasn't been one destructive use of our technology discovered, and I hope it always stays that way. Nice. We want to do good, we want to do good in the world. 
Absolutely. Well, that's a great uh, mission statement for sure (laughs) to live by. So I want to thank you very much again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with me and educate myself and my listeners and uh, viewers. I may put this up as a video episode as well uh, coming up uh, on the importance of what a difference glass can make. All right. So thanks very much, Joe. Take care and all the best. You too. Thank you, Ken. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And if you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening, and please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.